0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. Just me today. Um, I wanted to get another pod in over the weekend. And just the way things worked out, um, I got a lot on today because I got to bring the dog to the shelter. So it was just easier for me to just bang one out on my own. Also, I'm not filming today's episode because... Well, I just felt like lying back with the dog on my side and sharing some some thoughts with you guys. Um, on this wonderful Sunday, it's uh it's kind of a cloudy day here in West Hampton, but we had a we had a beautiful day yesterday, which was kind of overdue, to be honest. I mean, I know if people follow me on Instagram, it probably looks like we've had amazing weather, but. We had one or two halfway decent mornings at like 6.30 a.m., which is when I wake up, uh, early riser. But in general, the weather's been terrible during the month of April, which is a first world problem. I get it. But it was lovely to have a good day yesterday. Oh, God. The heat. I mean, it wasn't that hot. I'd say 14 degrees at most Celsius, but it just felt amazing. Not too windy. Um. And that was the main reason why I didn't do an episode yesterday. Uh I was just, I was too busy celebrating the good weather, giving the dog a lot of walks and also a neighbor um, allowed their pit bull to have a bit of a uh, socializing session with Becky. So there was a lot going on and I had a bit of anxiety about that Um because... uh well, she hasn't been great with other dogs, but I banged on the muzzle and actually, you know, Becky's fine off the leash. It's just on the leash, but uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the dog and I am going to probably finish off today's episode talking about uh, giving Becky back, but let's begin with the Trump stuff. Now, I, I didn't have a reaction to the the disinfectant remark, um... And I didn't feel... I wasn't watching that press conference live. I was actually doing a Zoom call because I'm, I'm actually working on this script. And uh, so there's... there's well, I, I, I wrote a pilot with somebody else and then now um, we're working on a pitch with a showrunner. Uh, so the showrunner and myself and my co-writer are working together on this pitch. So we have two Zoom meetings a week. So the Zoom meeting was on three people, three different locations. So the times, the window of opportunity is very narrow. So I can't tell them, hey, listen, um, my Insta stories about the Trump press conferences are really popular, so I can't do our writer's room, our virtual writer's room right now. Um, So I missed the press conference. Uh, which was annoying because that really probably was the biggest moment to be listening and watching the press conference. Of all these press conferences, and trust me, I don't consider the coronavirus crisis to be some sort of career opportunity, but just in terms of reacting to Trump's press conferences, that was the, the big one because it was so big that it's actually ended his regular press conferences. He hasn't really taken questions from the press since his afternoon uh, PPP signing question where he tried to say it was sarcastic, and that was the last time Trump has a- answered a question from the media. So actually, his his disinfectant comments uh, have ended the the press the Trump press conference party. So boo-hoo-hoo. I missed, I missed the last party. Um, and that's a sad, sad day for me. But it's a great day for the world because I think daily injections of misinformation and self-pity from Donald Trump wasn't helping anybody. Um, I don't think I really need to get into the nonsense of what he said because it's been well, well covered. I mean, I I must have been sent 100 memes, all basically the same joke. And I don't mind people sending me memes because I like the fact that they think of sending me one. Um, They're probably not aware of how many of the same meme that I get. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have been sent the Trump on the Titanic meme. I mean... It's ridiculous, and and I appreciate the people that send it, but just like a week after it's been out, I just wonder if people would think, I wonder how many people have sent it, but you know, whatever, I, 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 I'm actually, I don't even like to complain about it because I love it, but I, it's just, you know, when, when you've sort of been sent your 50th one, you kind of go like, it's interesting that people would... would would not think that this has gotten around. But then at the same time, like whenever I, sometimes I get one that is just hilarious the first time I've seen it. Uh, I will bang it up on my Insta story, which is probably a load of people going, I saw that already. Uh, so I'm I, essentially I'm doing the same thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm really complaining about a completely understandable thing. Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is that I don't think there's anything left to be said on the disinfectant thing other than it's just so obvious how unsuited this guy is to government. Because we've all listen, we're all guilty of sitting around with our friends and pondering about potential solutions of which we know nothing about. We we we've all done it, you know? Like I like I've sat around and pondered like economic solutions. Like, why don't we just shut the stock market? You know, why don't we just, you know, why don't we just restrict commerce to to the essentials and then just shut down the economy for six months and just, you know, whatever, you know, whatever these like nonsensical discussions that you have, and then people say why this is nonsense or, you know, like, but it's basically just having a laugh, which is, which is, I guess why Trump thought he would be able to dismiss what he was saying as sarcasm, because it clearly wasn't sarcasm. That was him trying to cover his ass. But he, he he's such a bad... He's so bad at articulating himself. He can't even, like... He can't even come up with a good lie. I mean, if I was Donald Trump in that situation, and I had stupidly just, like, got into, like, a conversation, I would have met my mates... And by the way, I would never suggest injecting disinfectant, by the way. but but I But I... I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that I understand what it's like when you're sitting around with your mates and you'd be like, how what, what if what if you did this? You know? Like that's fine. You're having to crack with the lads, you're having to crack with your friends, you know? It's fine to sort of pontificate about what could be. Same as like you sit around and sort of act like you know uh what you would have done something different to Alex Ferguson and perhaps that would have been better, like you have any idea, you know? And all these hindsight decisions that people make after the fact, like this is what I would have done, you know? I would have shut the country down in February. It's like, oh yeah, would you have? Anyway, excuse me, long story short, uh, if I was Donald Trump, I would have just said, listen, you know, I've been doing too many of these press conferences and I get too comfortable yapping away on the mic, and it was irresponsible of me to start to, you know, make silly suggestions, you know, based on whatever was coming into my mind, and I apologize for that, and uh, I'll be a little bit more responsible with, uh, you know, with, with my random ideas that come into my head because I, I understand, I know that they're just random ideas that I'm just saying out loud, but I understand that as the President of the United States, when the whole world is watching my press conferences, I probably should be a little bit more responsible and just talk about facts and hopes. But no, instead he said I was being sarcastic and it's like, no, well, first of all, it wasn't even sarcasm because there was no, there was, there was, there was no you, you weren't responding to anything. You know, like where's the sarcasm? Like, like who 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 was suggesting something like that that you were making fun of? You know, what wh- 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 what's the sarcasm sort of referring to? It, it just it's just not sarcasm. That's that that's just not what sarcasm is. Nor were you trying to be funny. You were literally asking a medical doctor. You know, like like I I could understand if it was sarcasm if. Perhaps somebody else had been sort of asking a doctor something similar or something all, equally nonsensical, so you were sort of like sarcastically pretending that you were doing something. Like, like I, I just don't know. I, I just can't find the, where you could analyze that there's any sarcasm in what you're saying. Not to mention, I've seen you being sarcastic, and you weren't making any of your facial expressions that would suggest that it's sarcasm. You didn't do that mouth thing. You know, you, were, you weren't doing your hands. You know, you, had, you actually had your fucking humble face. You actually had the face of, I think I might be coming up with some genius suggestions here. Um, and, and, and on top of it, the, the even sicker part is, it's the narcissism again. It's this sense of, I'm smart enough, despite the fact that I have no qualifications... I'm smart enough to maybe just accidentally happen upon the cure for coronavirus. That's kind of what it felt like more, you know? Like my uncle was a super genius. I understand these things. You know, it's just this sense that somewhere in there you think that you might happen upon the cure just in your random musings, you know, with no test done, which is exactly why you pushed hydroxychloroquine. It's exactly why all these that's exactly why none of what is being done is being done in time or being done well is because you just literally think that you can come up with the cure in your head. That's the, that's the narcissism. That's the elevated sense of your abilities. So anyway, as a result of that, we've lost the Trump press conferences, which is sad for me. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to talk about. Um, I had another incident where my cousin... Uh, was saying to me that oh, there was a hot mic, and it turns out that the California numbers are a, are are a hoax, something like that. I was like a hot mic, and he made it sound like the governor of California was caught in a hot mic saying that they've been cooking the numbers, you know. And then he was basically saying it proves that it's just the same as the flu, and I was just like whatever. So then I find his hot mic thing. His hot mic thing is John Roberts from Fox News and I forgot his name, but a photographer from the New York Times are like uh, joking around about not wearing masks. John Roberts says, oh, don't worry, it's, the death rate's going to turn out to be much lower because a study's coming out from California that suggests that more people had it, which is not controversial. I've seen that. And it is, surely the death rate's going to be lower when we find out how many asymptomatic people didn't know they had it. We're going to find that out. That's not controversial. Um, and, and, and even if it turns out that the death rate in terms of percentage of people that died is, this, as, is about the same as the flu. It's completely irrelevant because it's definitely going to turn out that more people were infected because you just have to look at the fucking hospitals being overrun. I mean, it's just irrelevant. The death rate isn't that important other than it's kind of good news. It doesn't change. It doesn't mean that we overreacted. It's clear as day that we didn't overreact because have we not overreacted or, or reacted in the way that we did, no hospital in the world would have been able to deal with it. I mean, some countries struggled to deal with it as it was, uh, but that was with... In, you know, extreme mitigation, you know? So anyway, it's just so funny that they still, still weeks, you know, like weeks and weeks and weeks of hell that that a lot of places have gone through. People are still trying to act like this is some sort of a hoax. Uh, I just don't, I, I, I don't understand it. And Fox News literally every day talks about the heavy-handed response, you know, too much, whatever. I, you know, I just don't know how many deaths... Uh, you know, because when, when, the, when, the, when the potential death toll got down to 60,000, there was all this cheering from Trump, who basically originally said that we weren't going to have the coronavirus. There was all this cheering from Trump that the death rate being at 60 was good news. But it's only 8,000 or 7,000 away from 60,000 now. So it's going to blow that you know so with all the extreme mitigation it's still going to blow that and then they're opening up too soon in places like Georgia anyway so it's going to start rising again so i i just don't get it you know i just don't get why so many people just want to act like it's a hoax i mean i do get that this is going to be around for a while so we are eventually going to come to terms with some level of openness that means that more people are going to die i mean i do think that eventually that you know, there's going to be a sort of a some sort of balance between how much mitigation versus the fact that there's an acceptance of a certain amount of, of of people dying. But it's 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 not like let's just fucking open up and 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 throw caution to the wind. I mean, it's just going to be you know a a a, a slight easing of the of the restrictions but even a slight easing of the restrictions means that more people are going to die. I mean that that's just something that people have to accept if they're pushing for society opening, they're pushing for the fact that more people are going to die. That that's that's the reality. You know, that 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 is just just so we're clear about that. That that's what we're accepting. You know, and what is, what is that number? I don't I don't know. I, I you know, I I don't know what that number is, but I'm assuming it's, it's a number that suggests that under no circumstances will the hospitals uh, be under anything like the stress that they were under at the beginning of this crisis. That's what I would assume is, is what people are, are comfortable with because when we do open, there will be more spread. It's just as simple as that. Anyway, those are the big, those are, those are the big serious uh, issues of the day. Um, I I wanted to talk to about something completely unrelated, which is, uh, you know, there's a lot of people uh, that I know in my life that are very anti-social media, funnily enough, in- including same cousin <laughs> that, that was, you know, hitting me up with this great conspiracy theory that it's a hoax. Um. And it's funny because the way he said it to me was that it sounded like the governor of California was caught in a hot mic basically saying that they cooked the numbers. And then when I looked at it, I was like, this isn't even like a, I know that some, some conspiracy theorists are trying to turn this into a, like a conspiracy because the, the, the New York Times photographer jokes that everybody's, don't worry, we've all been vaccinated. And they're all like, see, there's a vaccine, you know, like, whatever, conspiracy theorists, man, I just can't get into it. But... Um, the the fact that you know he he finds these things on like, like youtube is the, really the only social media that he uses he's anti social media um this isn't really about him but it's just about people that are like against social media but the same people that like didn't get a cell phone for a long time and then they didn't get a smartphone for a long time uh, you know you know the the type i'm talking about the people that sort of suggest that somehow they're above Uh, the technological evolutions and that the fact that they stay away from these things means that they're like more evolved or, or more intelligent. And, and I understand how it's very easy to look at the negatives of technological evolution, but I just want to remind people that all the big technological evolutions always have their detractors for quite a long time, but eventually they just become part of the fabric of society. And even today, I'm sure as I sit here doing this uh, podcast with you um, on just the most incredible technological evolutions that you could possibly imagine in terms of I'm now going to be putting this out to you as if I own my own radio station which you know once had to be done illegally uh, you know by pirate radio stations but a transmitter at, at the top of my roof. the fact that I can do this is just amazing nobody's complaining about podcasts but there's just certain things that I can complain about but while I'm doing this I'm also sitting in front of the TV which is on mute uh watching one of the one of the greatest advancements in technology in terms of how it changed society and for 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 a long time and probably still to this day people complain about the you know what television has done to us even though it's just a part of who we are you know like there is always a sense of looking back as if it was better and i i know i do it myself with being able to go outside and play and there's arguments for for every change in society. But the truth is that it's very easy to dismiss social media as a negative thing, and I definitely think that there are some negatives. But the reality is that it's a part of our lives and it's here to stay. It won't be that we'll, we'll stop doing social media and go back to the way things were before. If we end up with something else, it'll be the next evolution of technology. People communicate this way, and the fact that the coronavirus has really uh, sort of like locked it into part of who we are now. I mean, now, now virtual communication is part of who we are. Without it, this would have been way more difficult. So it's even harder than before to argue that social media is bad. You know, I mean, looking out for the negatives and regulating against them is very important. But acting as if it's better better to ignore that, that you're a better person for ignoring it all the time yeah, i can understand regulating usage or taking a break from it but suggesting somehow that you're more evolved because you don't do social media it's just ridiculous essentially you're just like you know the virtual amish you're, you're 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 the you're the amish of technology like do you look at amish people and think oh they're they're better you know, they're, they're more evolved. Cause I, I, mean, I think they're fascinating. And if you listen back, I sat next to a Mennonite on a plane and it, it, there's some aspects of, about their lives that, you know, voyeuristically, you're just so curious, but in truth, you wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want to be, be stuck in a time where you're resistant to, to all these changes because to, to fear the negatives is to completely ignore the positives you know, I mean, how, how long did you resist TikTok? I resisted TikTok for a long time. I thought it was nonsense. But the more you get into it, the more crack it is, you know, and it doesn't have to be all the time, but it's good crack. So if you're one of these fucking technology Amish, the COVID crisis must really suck for you, you know, so get back on your fucking donkey and enjoy your isolation because social media has been a saving grace for me for sure. You know, and I think that TikTok has been great for a lot of families. They've been doing their videos; like it's been great fun. So take your fucking bonnet off, and step into 2020, motherfuckers. All right, it's just, it's just fine. I mean, come on, like Zoom meetings, like Zoom, fucking the fact that I can have these writer rooms on Zoom. I mean, it's incredible. You know, how can you not be just like? High fiving, fucking Silicon Valley. Even though I can't stand the power that they have, and if, in terms of regulation, I don't think I, I think people obviously need to worry about misinformation on social media, but they also need to worry about the consolidation of power in the hands of a few Silicon Valley billionaires. That that I think is a real problem. But on the, at the on the flip side, Jesus Christ, I mean, just the the convenience of a Zoom meeting, the crack of a TikTok, the vanity of an Insta story. I mean, come on. I thank you. I thank you for what you've provided us. That's all I can say on that. So if you want to remain the technological Amish, be my guest. Go to the fucking Lancaster, Pennsylvania of the the cyber world, stay in your lane, but me, baby, whew, I'm going to try to stay as up-to-date as possible, and I'm a, I'm a fucking dinosaur on the internet, 44 years old, didn't know what a meme was for a long time, you know, I only figured out how to pronounce gif or jif in the fucking last last six months, decided to Google that bad boy, you know, You know, I still struggle with filters. And I still really don't know how to do a uh, a good background on Zoom. You know, I'm on Zoom but some people and they're like they're like bringing up screens and showing me other things and creating little windows, you know? And I see some of the younger comics and they're doing these YouTube's and you know that it, it's literally they have the they have the the production quality of like the Daily Show from 6 years ago. It's incredible. You know, like when you think about like some of the production quality of RTE productions and then you look at what people are doing, you know, it's just evolved so fast. It, you know, I, I, I wonder sometimes about the skills that some people had, you know. Now, I understand, too, when you're on the Internet, you just it's almost like you you don't see certain things that you would see when, on TV, even just in terms of your critical eye. You know, things get a pass, and you don't even realize you're giving them a pass. It's just a different way of watching it, so I understand that. But some of this stuff is just just the quality. It's it's, it's pretty good now, in fairness. And the fact that the average punter is doing green screens and, like, doing some decent green screen stuff. Like, I'm thinking about getting a green sheet to start doing some green scenes, but it, like, gives me anxiety thinking about doing it. But I know some of these younger comedians are just like, boom, it's just done super quick. You know, I've teaching myself Final Cut Pro for doing these YouTube videos, but like even the fact that I'm not doing a video today is because some of this shit gives me anxiety. So it's pretty impressive. In fairness. I, I am I'm not I'm not the tech, I'm not I'm not the technological Amish, but I, I I certainly am a fucking granddad when it comes to this shit. You know? There's certain elements of uh of this technology that reminds me of my dad with the fucking clicker. You know, my dad couldn't even fucking my dad couldn't even change the channel from going, if you were watching like channel 21 and he wanted to go to channel 56, he couldn't even just do five, six in a row. He had to f- 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 flick through all the fucking channels. You know? He never figured even the simplest thing of just going five, six in quick succession to get a 56. You know? So, God, to think to think how, how advanced fucking renting a video was. I mean, I know I've done routines about it, but like just even looking at my TV now, looking at my Altis One cable box, like I feel like even having, still having cable just shows my age. The fact that I still have, like I still pay for like normal cable TV when I could just have good Wi-Fi and stream all my channels. But I still just like the simplicity of fucking flip, 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 panging on the TV and watching, like, sports. I mean, really, the only reason to have it is for, like, just the very quick way of putting... It. But it, it, almost, that's that's almost gone. Like, literally, this cable company is making money off me due to the fact that I'm just, like, too lazy to spend a couple of days getting better with a streaming provider of every single channel that I can watch on this stupid cable box. You know? But I'm still impressed with my Altis One cable box, which just essentially does... Everything, like I'm still impressed with the fact that there's a Netflix button on my remote and that I could just press my remote, boom, Netflix. Desmond, not Desmond, (laughs) on my Netflix. By the way, Fauda season three was a bit of a disappointment. I'm not all the way through, but I'm kind of over it already. A lot of these series are just not meant to have season after season, you know? They just become too predictable, and in the case of Fauda, if you've ever watched Fauda. Season one was good because there was just a lot of ambiguity about who was good and who was bad, you know? And there was kind of a sense, I mean, it was still an Israeli slant, but there was a sense that, you know, there's a lot. It just, it just showed the complicated relationship between Israel and Palestine, and, and it, it really did show an understanding of how Palestinian people are being victimized, and it, it, it was just really good. Season three, not the same, you know? It's just more gone into that Hamas are bad, Israel's good. You know, there's not as much ambiguity, you know? It's just not as complicated, it's not as complex. It's just a classic sort of, you know, uh, spy espionage series that just doesn't, it doesn't give me that extra layer that I'm looking for. Plus, it's just like crisis crisis nearly averted oh looks like there's something else we we really should cut our losses and get out no no we could do this you know it's just it's just become too it's become too predictable and you, you already know you know what's going to happen um so uh, a little disappointing because i think i have pushed Fauda, but uh, season three has been a disappointment uh, which I jumped onto Fowder after Caliphate because I was really in my sort of Middle East head, you know. Um, so it has it has been a bit of a letdown. Um so those were the main things I wanted to talk about. My final the final thing I have to say is that as I as I say this with Becky lying on my side, sleeping, as she often does, I uh I'm going to the shelter today. Now they called me they called me a few days ago, came on which day to say can you bring Becky in on Sunday week? We have somebody that might want to adopt her, but just so you know, you can keep her if you like. You can adopt her. You have the first you have the right of refusal. Um and I it was kind of like, whoa, I just wasn't expecting it. So I was a little caught off guard. But, you know, I also didn't expect uh, a potential forever home to show up from the shelter. I really did think that it was going to be on me. Um, And I have to say I wasn't pushing that hard because I wasn't dying to get rid of Becky. Uh, So I was quite surprised that the shelter said that we have somebody. Can you bring her in for a meet and greet? So I said yeah, but then I hung up the phone because it was all just like whoa, you know. I hung up the phone. I was quite upset, I have to say. I went over to Becky, I was looking at her and it just all suddenly seemed so sad, you know? And I have to say I, I shed some tears. I mean it was I was sad. And I, I you know, I began to think, do I do I want to adopt her? Um which of course is an option, but if I do if I did adopt her I would have to bring her to Ireland and then really I'd probably just have to leave her in Ireland and then whenever I'm in the states it would be up to Aiden to look after her which is fine except number 1 Aiden's not dying to have a dog and number 2 I wasn't dying to have a dog I I I wanted to, I thought fostering would be great fun during the pandemic and I sort of half looked up the benefits of fostering, but more just got into it because I thought it would be fun. But then once I started fostering, because I got a little paranoid that this was a selfish act, then I started to look up the benefits of fostering in terms of keeping dogs out of the shelter while they're waiting to be adopted. Um, You know, pos- yeah, proving to people that, like foster dogs are more likely to be adopted because it shows that they're coming out of a house, not coming out of a shelter. Because, you know, when you're, especially with pit bulls, you're sort of, you're concerned that you have no idea what they're coming out of. So you just take this dog out of a shelter and put it into your house. Like, what the fuck's going to happen, you know? Um, and I definitely had that thought as I had Becky in my car for the first time. No idea about the, the history of this dog. And here's this pit bull sitting in my car, like literally right next to me as I'm driving, you know? Anyway... Um, Plus, you put good service. You know, you 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 do a bit of training. You get them nice and healthy. Like like Becky's coat now is just so nice, and it wasn't great when I got her. You know, she was in sheltery, dusty. She's so nice now. I didn't bathe her, like she was um, spayed before I got her, and I couldn't bathe her for two weeks. I couldn't wait to bathe. I couldn't wait for the fucking two weeks to pass so I could bathe her. But by the time the two weeks passed, her coat is perfect. It's just so nice, you know. And her dandruff is kind of, you know, calmed down a bit. And Anyway, so it, it, it's, it's a good service. And then the thing I saw recently, which I really liked, was when you adopt, you save a dog's life, which is 100% wonderful. But when you foster, you save many dogs' lives because you give them a chance. But, you know, you also just make space in the shelter for other dogs, which is great. So half doing it for myself, but now understanding that fostering is a good service, I thought, as much as I love this dog, I don't really want a dog long-term. But I do, I would I would keep Becky. But I do feel that um, when my life gets busy again, I'll be happy that I just fostered and didn't adopt. And it's such a weird thing because in my head i feel like is that a cop out and then you go but it isn't really cuz you're 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 trying to give these dogs good forever homes and even though i think i'm a good forever home for becky i just don't really want a dog full time even though i absolutely love this dog you know so it, it it is quite the the dilemma so i called them back and i was like you know uh What's the story with, you know, and they said, well, you know, to be honest, you're a very good foster because you're a single guy living on your own, no dogs, no kids. So you can pretty much take any dog. So we like people like you as fosters because you can just keep taking dogs. We don't really have to be too worried about the dogs that we give you, um, then she actually said to me, listen, she said, if you want to just keep fostering Becky, that's fine too. You know, we can just let you keep her for longer. And then I just thought, but that's really selfish because what if the when, when it's time for me to get back to my normal life, it's not the ideal time for her to have a forever home? You know, that that, that the forever home people aren't there. You know, because now people are getting bored with the lockdown and suddenly these adopters are showing up, you know? So I was like, nah, I, I I think I'll just keep fostering for you guys. And that made me feel a bit better. Now, the last couple of days, Becky has been exceptional, which makes it even tougher. Um, But plenty of foster people have been on to me on Instagram and, you know, they just talk about the, the difficulty of it, but also how great it is to do it and... So I'm comfortable, even though it's killing me right now, because she's such a fantastic dog, and I'm sure I'll get some other foster dog, and she won't be as good as Becky, and then I'll be like, oh, fuck. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have given her back, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my decision, you know? I just, I'm really not dying to have a dog full-time, that's the truth, you know? Um, in that I quite like bouncing between New York and Dublin, and it's the reason why i haven't had a dog up to now so i'll i'll maintain i'll maintain the fostering and people can judge me of course if they like which is you know which is completely fine because i'm judging myself sometimes but you got to make these decisions in life and i know it's going to kill me so so what I, oh so did i not say that so then they called me a, like a day or two later and said, can you bring her in this weekend also because we have somebody else that to, to wants to do a meet and greet. So that's today, uh, which was like definitely quicker than I was expecting. And actually, you know, I have medications to give her on the 28th. So I'm bringing the medications, but I'm hoping that today isn't the day, you know. So it's all a bit strange, you know? Um, So we'll see. That's why all this is on my mind. But this is the dilemma of my first time fostering. Perhaps people that foster dogs might lend me comments. I got to think that the the first time you foster is like the toughest, you know? Um, Or maybe I just got lucky with an exceptional dog in, in Becky, you know? And by the way, can I also just say that part of, this is how much my head was going crazy. So my building in Manhattan, with this apartment that is completely going to waste right now, uh, doesn't allow pit bulls. And I, I didn't even, with all this madness, I didn't even like think about that when I was fostering a pit bull like it didn't even enter my brain and because i had no idea that becky would have a forever home so fast i had begun to think about um leasing subletting my apartment and telling my brothers that i wanted to keep my mother's apartment uh which we haven't sold yet which was a tragic mistake considering the way the world has gone uh and, 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 and live in my mom's apartment so I could keep Becky. That, that's how fucking crazy my head was going. Um, and as much as I, I love this dog, that's a lot of life-changing stuff to be doing to try to keep a dog. And I do have to say that when the Forever Home stuff came at me in the last couple of days, I was like, Wow. That's pretty handy <laughs> to not have to think about changing where you live for a random dog that came into your life, you know? I mean, I had googled this is how much this is how much I got into thinking about keeping Becky. I googled cuz a lot of people said, "Oh, you can't put him in the hold, you know, you can't put him on a plane underneath international flight to be bad for him." Turns out it'd be fine, but anyway, I googled, "Can you sail to Dublin?" and the Queen Mary too, you can sail to the UK. The problem is that you can't bring pit bulls into the UK. So then I was looking up, you can you can, you can, can go to Dublin on a cargo ship for like 150, but I couldn't tell if you could bring dogs or not, which I'm sure you can't. I was literally looking up, sailing back to Dublin to bring this dog back. That's where my head was at, you know? Um, I can also tell you that my fucking brother Aiden is delighted that I'm not bringing the dog back to Dublin, which was also a problem, because he would have done it you know? And maybe he would have fallen in love with Becky too, but he was not dying to have a dog, you know. He's not he doesn't want one. He doesn't want to think about Des is away and I need to go away for the weekend. What am I gonna do with this dog? He doesn't he doesn't want to deal with that, which is his right. So anyway, I have to say that uh you know, when my life is a little more settled, I'll be getting a dog. But I I, I fostering is something that I I, I will enjoy doing. As as much as I hate giving this dog back. Or not, sorry, not giving it back. Cause, but, oh, sorry. Can I also say that I was never giving Becky back to the shelter? I had already made that decision. Which was, if this dog has to be returned to the shelter when I'm going back to Ireland, she's coming to Ireland. But I had already made that decision. Which is part of the reason why I was looking up all this stuff. Because I actually didn't think that finding a forever home for her was going to be that easy. Because in actual fact, that the shelter had told me that there hadn't been a lot of interest in Becky. So I actually thought that I was going to have her the whole time and probably end up thinking about keeping her. But I think that the dogs that are in foster care actually are more popular, you know? And you can understand that because when you look up the dogs, because even me, I, I was thinking I'm going to foster another one. So I was looking at the different dogs. And I everyone... I would read and then it would say it's in foster care. There would be a natural inclination for me to think, oh, that was a more popular dog. So you actually think that the ones that aren't in foster care are somehow like the rejects, which is just bullshit. It's kind of luck of the draw. Cause I didn't pick Becky. Becky wasn't like one of 20 dogs that I picked. It was just like one dog that was on this fucking blog about foster dogs. That's how I found Becky in the first place. It was a completely random pick. But yet when you go on the, the Brookhaven animal shelter website, and you see the ones that aren't in foster care, there is a sense in your mind of like, why is this one not being fostered right now? There's a pandemic on. How did these dogs get stuck here? So it's all just a mental trick that you that gets played. So anyway, I may be bringing back another dog. And if this dog, the next dog is a pain in the ass, then I'm gonna be like, why did I give up back here? Oh God. But we'll see. You know? Uh so anyway, that's the that's just me being very honest about the confusion in my mind. So I hope, I hope that was okay for you guys. I, I'd rather not. I'm not going to edit it. You know, That's just me sounding out, doing a, doing a Trump press conference on my thoughts about dogs. And as I rub this perfect smooth coat, I have to say that somebody's going to get a great dog. My hope is that with these meet and greets, they're both going to be like older men. That just lost their beloved pit bull. Their beloved rescue pit bull. And the pain of it is too much, and they need to have somebody to help them through the pain. That's my hope. You know? Um, Because the one thing I know is that Becky is a very good dog for a, a single man household. If she gets a family, that's fine too. But I just don't know what Becky would be like with a family. In fact, Becky has never encountered a young person. So I don't know. But I know that she's a great dog for a single man. And if some dude, some Long Island guy shows up there today or next week and is like, I just lost, I just lost my beloved Pitbull. I just lost, I just lost Fluffy. I'll be happy that Becky will bring this person joy because I know that they will bring the person joy because after the transition, because I I have no doubt that Becky will have a limited amount of time where she'll be like, whoa, that guy was great. The other guy, the pink hoodie guy was great. Better than this guy. But then she'll settle in and she'll watch CNN or Fox News, Suffolk County, probably Fox News, with somebody else and sit in their lap you know, and uh, snore, and she'll be happy, you know? Just a little bit of a transition. Um, and that's it. That's the end of the my first go at fostering chat. But of course, I have no idea if, I'm not going to have her today, so. Could be talking about Becky later in the week, too. Anyway, that's the end of this episode. That's the end of me yapping to myself. I have to say, enjoyed not having the video for, for this ep. Yeah, you, know, you can... I think the video focuses you. But at the same time, I think it's nice to be able to just meander. Like, I've kind of forgotten at various times during this conversation that I'm even talking into this mic. I've just been sort of speaking out loud, which I kind of like. So I hope this is enjoyable for you guys. And uh, we'll be back soon with Steve. Get Joanne back on. We got we got Yamanika. Yamanika Saunders coming up. She's a fucking character, man. So that'll be coming up this week. I'm doing her podcast. She's doing mine. And uh, I'll try to get some more guests. Um, even though, would you believe that the episodes with the American guests always get less listeners? A lot of... Very parochial with the Irish listeners, you know? Uh, so... Um, I'll try to get a few Irish guests on. So stay tuned for that. New episode of The Shift will be out Monday night into Tuesday morning. Recording that tomorrow. Um, have a good time. Hopefully Ireland eases off a touch on the regulations. You guys get a bit of uh, a bit of normality back to your life. Um, stay safe. We'll hope for some good news. Some new... Some new tidbits of information that might help us understand all this a bit better, and uh, that's it. Oh and obviously, leave reviews if I know I always say it, but if you just go to the bottom of the episodes and then it says write, you know it says "Rate," and then it says "Write a review," that's where the review is on iTunes, and then if you're on Spotify, spread the word and uh, you know on Twitter too just tell people that you know we got regular apps and it's been helping you through the the outbreak um and uh if people some people have said I don't know where to message you some people send me a message on Instagram saying I have some suggestions for the podcast I don't know where to write them but like obviously that's fine just DM me DM me on Instagram at Des Bishop use the messenger on facebook.com forward slash Des Bishop um at me on Twitter, at DesBishop. And uh, that's it, really. It's just just send me, send me anything. DesBishopHits at gmail.com. DesBishopHits at gmail.com if you want to send me an email. Uh, you know, anything at all. No, you want me to read out a story? You have a dilemma? You know, we do like relationship dilemmas on the shift, but any dilemmas at all. You want to send them this way? We'll chat about them. I'll chat about them with Steve. Um, and uh, that's it.